0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Bill White, John Tudor, and Tommy Herr all headed to the Cardinals Hall of Fame as the inductees for 2020. Welcome to the program. My name is Brett McMillan, and we're talking with the latter two today. Rather, Dan McLaughlin is talking with Tom Herr and John Tudor, part of a Cardinals Town Hall. Maybe you're familiar, but you can check out a Cardinals Town Hall just about every week here, and you can also see reruns at Cardinals.com slash town hall. John Tudor with the Cardinals from 85 to 87 and again in 1990. Remembered best maybe for a stellar 1985 season. He finished second in the Cy Young Award, a slow start, and then roared back for a 1.93 ERA, went 21-8 on the season. Tom Herr, meanwhile, was with the club from 79 to 88, a 274 career hitter with the Cardinals. 31 triples and 498 runs scored a consistent figure at second base here in St. Louis for so many years in the 1980s. Tudor and her joining Danny Mack. Here it is right now on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. We welcome everybody that's
2: uh, decided to come into our town hall and have a chance to visit and hear from the newest members of the Edward Jones St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. It's John Tudor and Tom Herr. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Cardinals broadcaster. And again, we want to thank Edward Jones for putting this on. And if you have any questions, uh, you can go to your chat device and uh, the chat icon and ask questions as we go along. Uh, for the next few minutes and hopefully uh, make this an entertaining night for you. But uh, John Tudor, Tommy Hurt, congratulations. And John, I'll, I'll start with you um, as we go back on a Zoom meeting, try not to talk over each other. So I'll start with you. Uh, what's it mean to go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame? And congratulations to you. It's very well deserved.
3: Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. No, I mean, it's a great honor, obviously, and uh, you know, to be voted in by the fans is just makes it even more special to, uh, I've said a number of times, just to be, you know, linked with uh, some of the names on that list, it's, uh, or all the names on that list, for that matter, is uh, is a great honor.
2: What was it like, the phone call that you got from Mr. DeWitt? Take us through that phone call and, and finding out about it and your emotions of, of realizing that uh, you're headed to the Cardinals Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, I mean, I almost didn't even answer it. It was because it, it came from a number I didn't recognize from a – City I didn't recognize, and, uh, and and I and I think you know, and uh, Tommy knows from probably reading stuff that I'd had a little incident with my hand that day, and I thought maybe it was a doctor calling me, so I had um, I answered it, and uh, and to to my surprise, it was uh, Mr. Dewitt, which uh, was a pleasant surprise, obviously, but uh, yeah, it was it was a, a special moment.
2: Tommy, uh, congratulations to you. I see you smiling as you watch your former teammate John Tudor answer these questions. I'm sure you guys will be smiling back and forth, but uh, congratulations to you. What does the Cardinals Hall of Fame mean to you?
4: Well, you know, it's it's really hard to put it into words. I mean, I, I was, to be quite truthful, I was just ecstatic to be on the ballot, you know, and uh, – I know uh, Whitey has been uh, vouching for me with the the Red Ribbon Committee for a few years and, and making a case for me. And uh, he was so excited he got me on the ballot. You know, he called me uh, a couple months ago and said, "You're on the ballot." So that that in itself was uh, for me was really exciting. And uh, you know, my story with uh, getting the call from Mr. DeWitt is, you know, I, I actually. <laughs> I refused to answer it because I didn't recognize the, uh, the number. And I deleted, yeah. it deleted it off my call list and everything. <laughs> and finally, Larry State texted me and said, hey, this is one you want to take, you know. So we finally hooked up and, uh, and I heard the good news. And uh, I apologized to him, said, I'm sorry, I didn't take your call before. But, uh, you know, I felt pretty stupid about that.
2: What does it mean to you? What, what were your emotions going into the Cardinals Hall of Fame? And with that, uh, what were the memories that maybe me started flooding back for you as you realized that, uh, you know, this is a great culmination of a wonderful career that you had in St. Louis?
4: Yeah, well, um, you know, what it means to me is, you know, obviously uh, it, it's such an honor, you know, to be, uh, to be recognized along with uh, – you know, the greats of, of one of the greatest organizations in baseball. And, you know, I did an interview the other day and, and the guy said, you know, what's it going to feel like standing there with uh, Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and, and some of the other Cardinal greats. And I said, I'm going to make sure I stand behind those guys, you know, because, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, it's kind of boggles your mind to, to, um, even ponder that
2: we were talking the other day tom that you grew up a cardinals fan so this has really kind of come full circle for you hasn't it from a little boy to now going into the cardinals hall of fame
4: yeah it's it's weird because i um you know when i really first started getting interested in baseball was in the late 60s when the cardinals were very good and you know, went to back to back World Series in uh, 67 and 68. And, you know, back then, uh, the World Series games were day games. And I can remember coming home from school and, and, uh, you know, putting the radio on and, and and listening to, uh, to the World Series. And so, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I had a connection there with the Cardinals. And really, uh You know, I grew up, uh, I was also a San Francisco Giants fan because Willie Mays was my favorite player. And so I always followed the Giants and those great teams that they had with Mays and McCovey and, uh, you know, Tito Fuentes and Jim Ray Hart and Dick Deets and uh, Bobby Bonds. You know, I I was probably more of a a Giant fan than anything, but uh, the Cardinals were, were right up there with the Giants.
2: John, I'll go back to you. How easy did uh, Tommy Herr and Ozzie Smith and Pendleton and some of the others on that infield make it for you and your job? Now, you did a lot of it, but, boy, you had some pretty good defense behind you, didn't you? Well,
3: yeah, I mean, not only just, not only just the infielders, but the outfielders as well with, you know, Vince and Willie and Andy running around out in the outfield. I mean, I've said it over and over again that, uh, you know, Shame on me if I didn't throw the ball to the plate and let these guys hit it and let these guys play behind me because they made 99% of the plays and, and uh, you know, the 1% they didn't make were, you know, line shots in an alley somewhere. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, coming to St. Louis was, uh, you know, was, uh, was amazing having sat in the dugout and watched them play when I was with Pittsburgh in 84 and uh, just dreaming about getting a chance to play here.
2: You know, John, when you reflect on your Cardinals career and, and your ERA wanted to be in 2.52, your winning percentage is over 700. The ERA is the all-time best in Cardinals history. Was it just getting to the right situation for you or did something click for you in your career when you got to St. Louis?
3: I think it was both. I mean, I think it was the majority of of my numbers, I think, are a reflection of that ballpark and that defense. You know, uh, you play, you play other places, and you know playing Fenway for four years, and you know some of those fly balls to the left field or doubles off the wall or home runs into the net, and and uh, you know Pittsburgh, P- Pittsburgh, shoot, we just had trouble catching the ball in Pittsburgh, so it was uh, <laughs> it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely fun to get to St. Louis, and and, uh, and and like I said, from having watched them play, I sat in the dugout, and like I said, in in. Uh, In St. Louis, when I was with Pittsburgh, sat between Larry McWilliams and Rick Roden and and the three of us, we knew somebody was going to get traded in the offseason. And uh, I never thought it would be me, but I was certainly glad that it was.
2: I'm going to mix in some questions from our our, our guests that are on this. And, again, uh, we appreciate everybody that's come in to to see the newest members of the Cardinals Hall of Fame, John Tudor and Tom Herr. And uh, I, I love this question. This is from Kevin McDonald. He says, "John and Tom, be honest now. Are you still angry, or are you angry at all at Don Denkinger?" So, Tommy, I'll start with you. Are you are you over what happened in '85, or, or how do you how do you view that situation?
4: Well, you know that's a, that's a, a play that you know really uh, obviously was pivotal in that series. And you know, I, I know I was very angry at the moment. You know, I, I had probably the best view of that play than anybody had because you know I was kind of migrating over from second base you know it was a uh you know a little topped ground ball between first and second and you know one thing I always say is I I just wish Jack would have run to first base and let me have it and it would have been a routine you know a routine catch and toss and nothing out, out of the ordinary about the play if it happened that way and Uh, But Jack, he, you know, he came, uh, he came off and made a good play and uh, Todd was covering uh, from my vantage point. I could see that obviously the guy was out, but uh, Don kind of got, uh, you know, he tried to get himself in in position and he he moved into foul territory and was actually moving uh, towards home plate as order was moving towards first base away from him. And so I, I think he got himself a little discombobulated and, and ended up missing the call. And of course, uh, you know, I got, I was right there. I got in his face right away and, and, you know, the big argument transpired and all that. Uh, I, I think that the devastating part about that was, um, you know, after the game, you, you know, we, we went back into the, uh, the visiting clubhouse and they were, they were taking all the, uh all the plastic down off the lockers they were carrying the trophy out of the uh, locker room because I mean they had it all set up for us ready to go ready for a celebration and uh, you know when we saw that it it, it just kind of I don't know it, it created an atmosphere that we were just not able to rebound from you know we I remember getting on the bus the next day and it was quiet and and uh, we, we just didn't have a good feeling about things and Um, you know it's a a game that uh, you always feel like when you have a chance to go for the throat you know you get it done and get it over with and when you give a chance another chance to a team oftentimes they take advantage of it and Kansas City certainly did that in game seven I mean they came out and uh, and just smoked us and it was over early but no I'm not still mad at them I mean I've been around the game long enough uh, as a as a player and as a manager, that, uh, you know, calls are part of the game. I mean, now it's different because you can challenge calls, and that's certainly one that would have been challenged and gone our way. But, you know, at the time, there was nothing we could do about it.
2: How about for you, John, as you reflect on it, where were you in the ballpark and what was going on either, you know, where you were situated or inside the Cardinal dugout?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was obviously just sitting in the dugout, and um, yeah, it, it's hard it, hard to see the actual play from the dugout, but obviously in and replays and all, you know, to to all the world, you know, Don missed the call. I mean, I I don't I don't necessarily blame Dankinger. I mean, I, I honestly believe that if he hadn't missed the call, we would have won the series. Uh, but uh, I mean, I. I mean, I look back on my failure in the in game seven, not you know getting the job done and and that's you know one of the uh, real low points uh, for me as you know, in my career in st louis
2: i'll, I'll stay with you, John. Um, for fans that don't know where are both you guys situated um, and what are you what are you doing these days? what keeps you busy what What keeps you occupied
3: Not a lot keeps me occupied at this point. Uh, but uh, I'm in, uh, I, I, we moved, my wife and I moved to uh, Greensboro, Georgia, about 18 months ago. We've been here, like I said, about a year and a half, built a house. So, you know, we've got the, the advantage that we, you know, we're sitting on a lake, which is nice, so we can go out in the boat if we want to. But, um, you know, just kind of like everybody else, hoping that this mess is over, you know, pretty soon and and uh, and we don't screw it up.
2: How about for you, Tommy? Where, where do we find you? And you mentioned that uh, obviously you've been in coaching and managing at different levels, but what keeps you involved in the game of baseball too?
4: Well, I'm just a, I'm just a fan of the game now. You know, I, I did, I did manage uh, uh, in independent baseball. The, there was a team here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I live that uh, in 2005, they, they built a $30 million stadium downtown and, uh, you know, we had a, a team in the Atlantic League, which is uh, as far as the food chain of the independent baseball. The Atlantic League is is probably at the top of that because it's uh, it's a veteran league. Uh, a third to a half of my roster had big league experience, and a lot of a lot of Double A AA and Triple A guys that had. Uh, you know, washed out, been released, or, you know, we're trying to rehab an injury, you know, that's a good league for them to, to try to make it back into affiliated baseball. But uh, yeah, I, I've always made this home base. Uh, my family is uh, is here. My parents are in their 90s. They, they're still living. So I'm, I'm here uh, for them. And uh, my, my wife, Kim, her mother still lives here. Her father passed away uh, about 20 years ago. But so, you know, this has always been home base for us, and uh, that's that's the way it's going to stay, probably. I, you know, I, I don't really do a whole lot these days. You know, I, I love to golf, you know, so I uh, haven't been able to do much of that. But, uh, you know, I'll get out and play as much golf as I can. I like to hunt and fish. I have a, uh, I have a, a little hunting camp up in uh, northern Pennsylvania, up above Williamsport, that, that uh, my boys and I go to quite a bit. So... Uh, you know we're up there a lot, and uh, just just trying to kick back. You know I, I I'd love to be back in the game. You know I, I send out emails every uh, every off season trying to get a job, but it's a tough. You know it's a tough nut to crack, and unless you have unless you know somebody or have a buddy that's in a hiring position, uh, it's it's tough to get your foot back in the game.
2: Take me back to seat cushion night for Tom Herr. And how many people say that, oh, I was there at that game. About a million people say that. So what comes to mind when you think of seat cushion night?
4: Well, the one thing, I can't believe how many seat cushions I've signed over the years. I mean, it's unbelievable every time I go out there for an autograph session, you know, there's people that have seat cushions. You know, I kind of thought they all threw them on the field. But, you know, apparently uh, a lot of them kept them. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, – you know, the what stands out to me about that game was that it was just – it was an early, uh, you know, an, uh, I guess mid-April game against the Mets, who were at that time were, you know, coming off a, a world championship. And uh, we knew they were the team we had to beat if we were going to go anywhere in 87. And uh, so it was a big game. And it was a big win for us early in the season, which – you know, every game we played against them was crucial. So uh, that, you know, that was the highlight of the night for me, That just that we had won the game.
2: John, I'll go back to you. 1985 was just an incredible year for you, but yet you started out 1-7. Uh, tell us the story of, of how things turned around for you and who kind of caught a little bit of a mechanical flaw in what you were doing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had a, a a a buddy that I grew up with, and you know, played against in little league and played with in high school. Uh, he was actually the catcher on a high school team, and uh, we happened to be talking one day, and um, we were, you know, just you know, talking baseball like like he and I usually did. And I was talking about the struggles that you know Mike Work and I were having trying to figure things out. and He mentioned just a little mechanical, uh, I like call it a gathering point in my delivery, and. So you know that, that kind of you know rang a bell, and uh you know Mike and I went out and put it put the time in, put some work in a couple of bullpen sessions and uh you know i don't know if it was just the mechanical thing or if it was the mechanical on top of the the mental part of it that just kind of set sail and you know I just kind of rode that rode that uh cardinal baseball wave uh you know uh, you know almost to the end.
2: I'll stay with you, John, and Tommy mentioned the seat the cushion night against the Mets, and it's, it's one of the great rivalries that we've had in in recent memory and in Cardinal history, really, ever. What was it from your perspective? Because the fans loved it, but for you guys in the thick of it, I'll start with you, John. What was it like, the Cardinal-Met rivalry in the mid-'80s?
3: It was a good rivalry. I mean, they were both we, we, we were two pretty good teams, uh, and, and they were um, – they were the mouthier of the two teams. You know, there are, uh, they had a lot of guys that like to talk, like to pop off. And uh, so it made a, it, made it, it made it fun to beat them. Uh, and, and, you know, we took our turns with each other without a doubt going back and forth. I mean, we won in 85, they won in 86, we won in 87. And then I was with the Dodgers in 88 and, and we beat them in 88. So it was, it was uh it, it was it was an interesting rivalry. Like I said, they had they had you know a couple of guys that you know liked the media. You know, and, then, and New York was certainly the place for that. So um, so it was it was interesting. It was fun.
2: Good teams. So John, you would have been perfect then in New York because I know you love the media. So you would have been perfect. Yeah, that team. exactly.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I tried to get traded there a few times. I Actually, was drafted by the Mets. So it's – I I could have been one, I guess.
2: How about from your perspective, Tom, when you look back at the the Mets Cardinals rivalry, what what made it special from your perspective, those two great teams?
4: Well, um, you know, John kind of hit on it. We uh, I think in a way we we felt a little bit uh, maybe disrespected by the Mets or at least by the uh, New York media they just couldn't believe that we could compete with them. And, uh, you know, every year they, they were the team that was picked to win. And, um, you know, we, we felt like we were pretty good too. And we, we knew that, uh, we knew that we matched up well against them. I mean, for a few of those years, uh, we matched up good against everybody, you know, nobody really wanted to, to play us because of the way we played. And, uh, you know, we would, uh, we, we had a way of disrupting uh, the opponent, especially uh, pitching staffs, because uh, they were so worried about uh, the stolen bases, and, uh, you know, you would see teams pitch out more, or, you know, pitchers trying to slide step, and, and we just kind of got them out of their rhythm, and, uh, you know, with the Mets, uh, they, they had such an overpowering pitching staff, you know, there, there were there were series that you'd go into New York and, you know, you'd, you'd have Gooden and Darling and, and, uh, Ohita or Frank Viola or Sid Fernandez sitting back to back. And, you know, as a hitter, you're thinking, man, you know, I could get an O for 12 hung on me this weekend pretty easy. You know, <laughs> so, you know, they weren't, it wasn't a scenario that you really looked forward to, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we always seemed to rise to the occasion when we played them and uh, we, you know, we had their number, I think, uh, you know, really all we, our goal every year was to just try to play the Mets even, you know, I think we played them 18 times and we figured, you know, if we could, if we could play them even, you know, we were going to beat the other teams, you know, that, that was the thing that we really did better than they did. You know, we, we beat the teams that we were supposed to beat, And, uh, and a lot of times, you know, they, they would get up to play us, but, you know they were kind of a free spirited group and and sometimes i I think they uh, they took other teams for granted and you know they'd get knocked off by the pirates or or some of the lesser teams and uh, you know that's that, that was what really separated us in in those years that we won
2: uh, I'll stay with you tommy um, Whitey had such a profound impact on baseball in our community and and for over a decade in winning great players what what does Whitey mean to both of you? And I'll start with you, Tommy. How about Whitey Herzog? When, he, when you hear that name, what, what, what does he mean to Tom Herb?
4: Well, I, I owe, you know, probably this, uh, you know, this honor, that, you know, I owe it, you know, first of all, to Whitey. I mean, I, I had a lot of great, uh, a lot of great instruction in the minor leagues with the Cardinal organization, but Whitey. Uh, you know, he's the guy that gave me a chance to play at the big league level. You know, he he uh, he he liked the qualities that I had, and uh, you know, I I had put some really good years together in the minor leagues, and and uh, had good stolen base numbers, and I was a switch hitter that you know could run obviously, and and uh, you know I was the kind of player that that he was looking for, and. Uh, but you always run the risk with a young player, you know, are they going to be able to do it at the big league level? And, and Whitey uh, gave me the opportunity to play and, uh, and showed confidence in me. And, and that's what I needed as a young player. You know, I felt like uh, I didn't want to let him down. And uh, you know, my first couple of years as I was getting my, my feet wet, you know, in, in the big leagues, uh you know, it all came together pretty quickly uh, in my career when we went to the World Series in 82. And, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I was kind of overwhelmed by that at that point in my career. Uh, I got much better, you know, through the, uh, you know, the middle 80s and, and, and late 80s. But, uh, you know, I, I owe a I owe tre- tremendous amount to Whitey and I learned a lot from him too. You know, I learned, uh you know, I don't think there was a better tactical manager in our era, anyway. You know, and uh, he he always seemed to have guys uh, in the right spot at the right time. You know, he he would, you know, he would give guys opportunities to succeed, and and uh, he was very good with handling his pitching staff, and. Um, So it was fun. It was fun to be a player. We had a lot of confidence in Whitey. We knew he wasn't going to screw the game up late in the game by making some kind of a bonehead move, and uh, you know that kind of freed us up just to play and and leave the you know leave the thinking part of it to him.
2: How about for you, John uh, Whitey Herzog, and his profound impact on your career personally?
3: Well, just bringing me to St. Louis, I think was uh, you know was a a big a big. impact on my, on my career, getting a chance to play in St. Louis, again, with that defense in that ballpark. But, you know, just to touch on what Tommy said, you know, why do he just never seem to be, he never seemed to be or overwhelmed in a game. And, and, I think that that demeanor, uh, you know, kind of flows downhill, you know, to the, to the rest of the team. And, and, you know, if you see your, if you see your manager getting, you know, frustrated and, and, uh, and, and, you know, out of sorts in the game, then that tends to to fall on the rest of the team. But when the, the manager always, why do you always seem to be one step ahead? I mean, I've sat there a number of times and tried to figure out why he just did that. And then, you know, two innings later, you'd see why he did it. And, uh, you know, Tommy said he handled the pit. He handled the bullpen exceptionally well. You know, all of our bullpen guys, they knew what their role was. Uh, you know, Kenny Daly knew that if in the eighth inning, Daryl Strawberry came up with the, go ahead and run of the time, run on base, he's in the game. So he knew to be ready for that. And, and Ricky Horton knew the same thing, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit earlier in the game, maybe like the fifth or sixth inning if the starter got into trouble. And and, and when, you're, when your players have an idea of what their role is going to be, it, it makes them prepared for when the situation occurs. And, uh, you know, what he's always been, been, you know, near and dear to my heart and he was the big reason I came back again in '90 uh, because I, you know, I knew that you know playing for Whitey was something I wanted to do. Playing in St. Louis was something I wanted to do, and uh, he he just let you play. If you so long as you showed Whitey that you were going to give effort, and you were going to go out there. I mean, he very easily could have quit on me at one and seven and you know thrown somebody else into the rotation, but he gave me the opportunity to, to battle through it and and uh, you know things turned around.
2: You guys have a, a favorite Whitey story you can share? Is, is there one that, that you always think about or comes to mind that is, uh, let's just say PG for everybody on this uh, on our our call here? But I'll stay with you, John. Is there a funny or a, a, a an influent, you know, a, a, a story that really means a lot to you when you think about Whitey Herzog? Uh, well,
3: I mean, I I think the one thing that kind of kind of shows you uh, how Whitey was is, I mean, you go back to. I mean, we had a couple of uh, a couple of brawls uh, when I was with the Cardinals, and, and, and a couple of good ones against San Francisco. And and I, I just remember, you know, Whitey going toe to toe with Roger Craig, and and you know pulling pulling Joel Lung, uh, Youngblood off or Ricky Horton's back, and <laughs> and uh, you know you you know he so Whitey not only showed you that he was calm and and collected in situations, but he also showed you that he was willing to go to the mat for you and I, and I think that uh, you know those are those are big things as well for a player to know that your manager has your back if if things get a little bit out of sorts and why certainly did that he certainly was he wasn't he wasn't shy about getting there to mix it up
2: I, we love showing that every time we actually show that Ricky <laughs> has a mean body a bone in his body and is willing to fight which people are shocked with so I, I get to see that video every year how about for you Tommy um, a favorite uh, whitey story that maybe you could share
4: <laughs> there's there's a lot of them but i think uh we, we had uh we were at the airport i 'm not sure what airport it was but um and, and uh I guess whitey he might have had he might have imbibed in a few beverages on the flight so as we're uh, as we're walking through the airport, we had this very long flight of stairs to go down. <laughs> And uh, something happened, but the rat fell down those stairs and uh, he, you know, I think he hit every stair on the way down and he got to the bottom, you know, in the bottom level of the concourse and he gets up and he, you know, he makes the safe sign like he's an umpire and picked up his bag and just kept on walking. You know, it was hilarious because, you know, we weren't sure he was going to be okay, but he hopped up there and, uh, and said safe, and you know, just kept on trucking. So that that was uh, that was probably the funniest thing I ever saw the rat do. But uh, you know, he he did uh, he he was just a fun guy to be around. You know, you know we, we had uh, we had our share of great wins, but you know, yeah, you, you have your share of tough losses too uh, throughout the course of any season. And uh, you know, he he managed to just uh, really. Uh, you know, keep an even keel through all that. And I, I think that, as John said, that, you know, that has a way to permeate down through the rest of the team. And uh, we never felt like we saw uh, him in a panic mode of, about anything. And uh, that was good. That was, a, that was a good type of leader to have.
2: Tommy, I'll stay with you. Um, biggest influences in the organization. It could have been a guy like George Kissel or a teammate, whatever the case may be. But, Who are your biggest cardinal influences as you reflect now? And I'm sure you've had a lot of time to reflect on the last few days of just cardinal memories. But your biggest influences wearing that cardinal uniform?
4: Yeah, I I I would be remiss to uh, not mention some of the guys that uh, you know. As I was coming through the cardinal organization, you know, I was an undrafted uh, uh, eighteen-year-old American Legion player when 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 I first signed with the Cardinals and. Uh, You know, I went to – I started out in rookie ball in Johnson City, Tennessee, and the manager there was a a guy named Tom Burgess. And, uh, you know, he would – you know, he would sit the team down after games and, um, you know, we would talk through the game and, and, you know, he would, you know, say things that were were done right during the game and things that were done wrong. And, you know, that was the first time in my career that I really – was forced to sit down and think about how to play the game, so you know I, I think that had a, a huge impact on me because it 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 made me more of a thinking man's player, you know that it made me a better situational player even at a very young age, uh, and then as I moved up, uh, I played for Hub Kittle in in uh, in St. Petersburg. He managed the uh, the Cardinals High A club that year and. And Hub had a huge impact on me because he, he was a tough, grizzled old veteran guy. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he taught me, you know, the toughness that it takes to be an everyday player. You know, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You're going to have ups and downs, and you just got to keep grinding away. And I, I think Hub was, you know, he was huge for me to, uh, to learn from that. And then, uh, you know, later on in my uh, career, I played for Hal Lanier who was, uh, you know, he was a, an accomplished uh, major league middle infielder. So that was good for me to, to really learn the nuances of, of playing the middle infield. And, uh, you know, Hal was a good strategical uh, guy, too. And a very, uh, you know, he was he was intense. He was fiery. And, uh, you know, so I, I think he had a very big impact on me. And, and then, of course, George Kissel was – you know, he was the minor league field coordinator through my uh, my minor league years, and you know, George was just a, a you know a treasure trove of knowledge. You know, he would he would talk about you know certain uh, situations that may come up in a game, and you know where you where you should be, and uh, you know it was uh, there was I was just like. A, you know, a, a dry sponge soaking it all up from George, and and uh, so he he had a huge impact as well.
2: It's great. How about for you, John? And and you think about your Cardinal career? We mentioned Whitey being a huge influence, but maybe some teammates and and others that come to mind.
3: Yeah, well, like I said, you know, you know, I didn't come up through the Cardinal organization. I came up in the minor leagues with the Red Sox and. And and, I'm, and and again, like Tommy said, I'd be remiss not to, to mention a guy named Chet Nichols, who was, a, who was a banker in Pawtucket when I got there. Uh, and, and I don't know what it was like in the Cardinal organization, but I mean, I never had a full-time pitching coach until I got to the big leagues. Four years in the minor leagues, we didn't have, we didn't have pitching coaches. We didn't have hitting coaches. It was the manager and a player, player manager. And, uh, and Chet Nichols was a, was a, a, a former Boston Brave pitcher left-handed and he's really the first guy that sat me down and and after a game and said hey why'd you do that why didn't you do this why what were you thinking when you did that and I mean I'm all the way in A at this point and be, before anybody's even really said because I you know I came up as a power pitcher so for me it was you know here rear back and 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 let it fly and see what happens and uh, but I get to St. Louis and I, you got a, a pitching coach and Mike Rourke who, who, you know, spent, like I said, spent a lot of time with me, uh, trying to, trying to get me on track that first year. So I've got a lot of respect for Mike and, and, uh, and, and Whitey and, uh, you know, player wise, you know, Danny Cox and I seemed to hit it off as soon as I got to St. Louis and, uh, well, that's a good thing or not? I'm not really sure. But uh, but uh, but but you know, Danny brought that brought that intensity to the game that was infectious as well. And uh, you know, he was all business on the mound. And 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 the other guy that was that way was Bobby Forsh. And and Forsey was a was a great example for young pitchers. Uh, Fosse is one of those guys you didn't talk to. The day he was pitching he just he was focused and you know throwing up in the locker room before the game and and uh and, and so you, you you pick up little things from different guys and and you know danny and and uh, and forsy were, were were two guys that that i kind of you know kind of latched on to uh in st louis and uh, and uh you know learned from you know because i was I mean, I wasn't a young player. I mean, I was 30 years old, I think, when I came over to St. Louis, but I was only really in my fourth year. I was in my fourth year in the big leagues, fourth or fifth year in the big leagues, and um, so it, we we was still learning. I was still, you know, I'm still trying to learn today.
2: You said Bob Forsch, and of course, he's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And then you mentioned Roger Craig and Whitey Herzog. So now you're making me think, John, about one flap yeah. down and Jeffrey yeah. Leonard. Tell me what you yeah. and the pitching staff and, and Bob Forsch obviously was right in the middle of that and put one where it needed to go in that series. But what were you guys thinking when you were watching that? And then how are you going to handle that as a pitching staff?
3: Yeah, I mean, Forsy was the perfect guy for that because he didn't care. You know, for, he just, um, he, he, you know, he got tired of seeing Leonard do that and, um, and uh, out in San Francisco, I think, right? And, yeah. uh, yep. And, um, you know, just drill them and, and, you know, turn, turn the tone of the, of the series. We, you know, we won that game. That was a huge game. That was a huge win for us. If we lose that game, I don't know if that's game four or, or, or I think that would have been their third win. I don't remember because I know they spanked me in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, at that point I, I remember turning to, I think it was Lee Thomas and saying, Oh, uh, that's, you know, th- this is good. Cause now I get another shot at them. And, uh and uh, and we were able to turn that series around and get to the World Series, which which you know didn't end the way we want to end either. But uh, but yeah, Forstie was Forsey was definitely the leader of that pitching staff during those years.
2: Tommy, I'll go back to you. In 1982, you think about the infield that's there: Oberkfell, Ozzie Smith, yourself keith hernandez does that infield not get enough credit for maybe being one of the best if not the best defensive infields ever in baseball you guys were that good
4: yeah well you know uh, uh, that's been brought up a lot more lately than uh, than it was before but you know it was obviously it was a very good infielder i mean uh, keith uh, is as good as you can get at first base. You know, he—he's the most athletic first baseman I've ever seen. Uh, he was great at, uh, you know, covering bunts, and you know, he could get the—he could pick up the ball and throw it to second base from a lot of different uh, uh, areas on the field. And you know, he would even pick up balls and throw it to third base on on bunt plays. And, uh, and of course, Ozzy, You know what? You know, you, you don't really have to elaborate too much on Ozzie because, you know, he's, he's recognized as the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. Uh, so I think the two, uh, you know, Oberkfell and myself are the two guys that, you know, probably hold that infield back from being considered uh, the greatest of, you know, or in the conversation anyway. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's legitimate as far as I'm concerned, concerning me because I, I was, I was early in my career. Really nobody even knew that much about me at that time. And, uh, you know, I feel like I became a much better defensive player later on than I was that year. And, uh, Obi was just, uh, he was just solid. You know, he was a solid player that, uh, didn't make mistakes. Uh, you know, if he caught it, he was going to throw you out. He had a tremendously accurate arm. Um, he was, uh, you know, very good uh, at coming in on balls. And, you know, so he, he was just – he was solid. and There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, it's not for me to say that's the greatest infield. I mean, I, you know, I, it was a very good one, that's for sure. And, you know, any team that wins a World Series, you know, you need good interior defense, and, and that team certainly had it.
2: Well, you're, you're selling yourself a little short because you were so good that you led the league in fielding percentage – Multiple times at second base. Now, I want to ask you about turning double plays with Ozzy in terms of how he led you, and then in terms of you flipping the ball if you were just in the vicinity of second base on a double play. Pull back the curtain for our fans a little bit and just what that was like turning to one way or another with Ozzy Smith.
4: Well, uh, from, you know, receiving throws from Ozzy was great because he was he was very accurate and, and, you know, he, he asked me very early on, you know, where I liked the ball and, uh, and that's, that's where I would get it, you know, most of the time. So, uh, you know, I was a guy that liked to, uh, you know, I like to come across uh, second base when I turned the double play. I, I don't, I didn't like to stand on the bag and catch it and turn it from the bag. I would always try to get to the bag early and, and step to the throw wherever it was coming from. and, and then uh, you know i was typically when i would catch the ball i was about 3 feet uh, you know inside the baseline and i'd i'd make my pivot and throw and uh, so you know Ozzy was very uh, conscientious about that he 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 gave me uh, you know and we worked a lot together you know we we would take ground a lot of ground balls before the games and feed each other and uh, you know, actually uh, getting the ball to him for him to turn the double play was more problematic for me because, you know, there were a lot of times when, uh, you know, he, he was so acrobatic, you know, you, you could really give it to him anywhere. And, you know, you weren't sure if he was going to come across the bag or if he was going to jump over the guy and throw it or what, what he was going to do. So <laughs> basically, uh, you know, what he wanted me to do was get it to him as quickly as I could, you know, get it to him early so he could decide, you know, you know, how he was going to throw it to first base. You know, there's so many highlights of him jumping over runners and and, uh, you know, flipping it from uh, every which uh, contortion that that he chose at that time. But, yeah, you know, I, I was uh, I just didn't want to screw it up. You know, I wanted to get him the ball and let him do his thing. So, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, you know, certainly uh, it, it was awesome to play with him. You know, I, I became a spectator a lot of times just watching the great plays that he made. But a lot of work went into it. A lot of time was spent before the games uh, getting acclimated to one another. And, and like I said, I, I think uh, as we, the more we played with each other, the more comfortable we got. And, uh, you know, I, I really feel like the, probably the 84, 85, you know, in that range is when when we were the two of us were at our best
2: john did, did you ever have a play that was made behind you by ozzy that you were just sitting there saying holy smokes i can't believe that he just did what he did is there one that stands out for you
3: i mean i've seen him make dozens of them uh you know for me personally uh i, I don't i don't have one come specifically to mind but uh, you know the the play I love to watch on replay is is that one with uh, I think it's he and Vince coming in, it Aussie going out Vince coming in and Aussie diving for the ball and Vince basically going over the top of him on a fly ball and you know that's that's an amazing play for me but uh, but just going back to you know uh, this more than more than uh, more than one or five occasions I've had a ground ball back up the middle to me that. I possibly could have made a play on and I just would take myself out of the mix and, and let just let it go through knowing that either Ozzie or Tommy, whichever the side of the bag it was, was going to be there. And if you, know, you take me out of the mix, it's a much, much, we, it takes 50% of the chance of error out of it. And, and uh, I've, I've done a number of cases, started to reach for a ball and said, Oh, no, you know, ozzy has got it or Tommy's got it. And you know, let's just let, let them play. It's um, going back to what Tommy was talking about with Keith. I never got a chance to play with Keith or Obi. TP was as good as he gets at third base as well, Terry Pendleton. He was as athletic uh, a third baseman, and I think that he and Ozzy worked a lot together. And And talking, Tommy was talking about Keith making plays on bunts. I, I laid down a perfect bunt with a guy on second base down the third baseline only to have Keith Hernandez in Shea Stadium come running across and pick the ball up and throw the guy out at third base and like, God, I mean, what do you have to do, you know, with, with the guy? And, uh, and Ozzy was definitely amazing. And, you know, those were th- those were good times.
2: John, did, did the players get a kick out of Willie as much as the fan base? I mean, wh- we've been at Whitey's Golf Tournament. He said he believes that, that uh, Willie is the most popular player in the history of the Cardinals ever. He said he's the most popular ever. So we know as fans, we we get a kick out of him, and I I get to see him every day as a coach now, and it's fun even then. And I got to cover him as a player and see him come back to St. Louis. So from your perspective, being a teammate, did you guys get a kick out of watching him?
3: Yeah, I mean Willie was Willie's fun just watch him walk around. I mean, you know, he was uh, you know he, you you wouldn't know by watching him walk how fast he was, or or he he always uh, very modest, very you know. Uh, Uh, soft spoken uh, you know he always kind of gave you the impression that that he'd just come from home and his dog had died you know but uh, he he was was fun to watch there's no doubt about that fun to watch run you would get that lean going coming around second base and you know as fast as Vince was from first to second Willie was equally if not faster from first to third and they, they both were just fun they were fun to watch
2: Tommy, I'll go back to you with Willie. You go to the eighty two World Series. He hits a couple of home runs, takes one away, and it's one of the great performances ever in World Series history against the Brewers. It, was that kind of his coming out party at that time, or did you guys know, hey, we got a really special talent, just no one else knows it
4: yeah we we had a you know we had a feeling that Willie was going to be special and and then when he when he had that tremendous game, um, in game three of the 82 world series against a real good pitcher, Pete Bukovich. Um, yeah, that was a coming out party. And, uh, but Willie was, uh, he, he was so bashful that, uh, you know, even when he became a great player, you know, he, he never really acted like he was a great player. You know, he always acted like, uh, he might get sent back to triple A at any day if he went over four or something, (laughs)
2: you know,
4: he he was, uh, he was very quiet. uh, But he, you know, he's one of the, he's one of my favorite teammates of all time because, you know, you you could always count on, uh, on getting, you know, the best that he had that day, you know, he was going to give it everything he had and, and he cared, you know, that's, that's the thing when you, when you're a teammate of somebody and you know that they care uh, you know, you can, you know you can you know that they're going to have a bad day every now and then, but uh, you know the guys that act like they don't care, you know, they're, they're the ones they don't win. You know, and, and Willie was a winner. You know, he cared about you know just doing what he could to help us win, and and we all appreciated that.
2: Tommy, I'll stay with you. You you won in '82, so close in '85 and '87. Out of those three teams, if you had to rank them or just look at what were the better teams of those three. Which one comes to mind for you and why?
4: Um, well, I, always, I always say that 85, I think, was our best team. But, um, you know, they were all good in their own way. You know, obviously, uh, you know, the 82 team we had, uh, Bruce at the end of the game, which was a huge weapon. You know, he was the elite closer in the National League that uh, during that time. And you know that changes the whole dynamic of the game when you have somebody like that at the end of it. And and that was back in the time when you know Rat might bring him in the seventh inning with two outs, and he'd you know he'd get a seven out save. You know it wasn't it wasn't just a, a three out thing like most of the closers do today. Um, but the '85 team, you know, from top to bottom, we had more guys have great years that that year together. Than than any of the other teams, and, uh, I, and I think our pitching was as good as as it ever was that year. You know, we had uh, two twenty-game winners and an eighteen-game winner, uh, and a very good bullpen in, uh, with Worrell and Daly down there. So, uh, and we had you know we had specialty uh, pitchers. You know, Ricky did a great job uh, that year, and uh, so. That To me, that's the team that really stands out. And, you know, we had to win 100, I don't know how many, 100 games just to win our division to get in. Um, you know, that to me, that's the best team.
2: Yeah, and a guy named Tom Her drove in 110 and only hit eight home runs and was moving runners up and doing everything else that needed to be done with that offense. And so I'll go back to you, John, for a second. You know, you think about that style of – Ever think we'll get back to to Whitey Ball and that great era of what you guys provided and the entertainment that you provided? It's entertainment, too. We forget that sometimes. It was so exciting and fun to watch you guys. Do you see baseball getting cyclical and coming back that way at all?
3: I don't know. Baseball doesn't generally come back to where it was. You know, it's in, in, in the history of the game, from what I've seen of it anyways, you know, we, we talk about pitchers nowadays. You know, after six innings, you know, you know, and, you know, kissing their hands, tapping themselves on the chest, and thanking God for the fact that they were able to go five innings. Uh, it, uh, it, it it was different when when, when we played. Then it was different ten years before we played. You know, with the with the, you know with the Gibsons and those guys. I mean, they're throwing complete games like like it was just second nature. Uh, and 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 nowadays you don't see them, but I, I don't know you see that style anymore. It's it, it, the game has become more individual. I think now it's more, it's more stat oriented. There's 700 different stats for baseball. Now it used to, it used to just worry about, you know, uh, batting average and earn run average and slugging or RBIs. And that, but now there's, I don't even know all the all the, all the things there are, and, or, or for that matter, what half of them mean. Um, <laughs> it it would be it would be fun to see. I think I think uh, I think I saw Tommy interviewed one time, and and he w- was he, he would have he want, would have liked to have seen how that '85 team would would uh, would how teams would react to the '85 team in in, in 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 this modern game right now. I think uh, they would have been uh, they would have been set back and shocked and not quite knowing how to do it, how to play against us.
2: Well, I wanted to ask you that, John, could you imagine with Willie and Tommy and Ozzy and some of the others with the way that they're running wild, how that would have had an effect on a pitcher? Do you guys ever talk about that? Like, thank God we're on this side of it because that other side, that's not a lot of fun.
3: No, I mean, I mean, the amount of times we used to make fun of Gary Carter because he, every time Vince would run, Gary would pretend like he dropped the ball. And, you know, then he'd be, banging, he'd be banging his mitt and saying, you know, we'd be going, yeah, you had a chance, you were going to get him. But, I mean, I saw Mike Sosha come up and throw through to second base when Vince wasn't running. You know, Vince was amazing at taking two or three hard steps and stopping if he read something wrong or if he didn't feel like he got a jump. I mean, I've seen more, more times than not where the catcher come up and threw. You know, Mike Sosha came up and throw through right over the bag into center field and he wasn't even running. It, it, they, 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 not only Vince but Willie and, and Tommy and Aussie and Andy Van Slyke and Terry Pendleton could run too, and uh, you know it was uh, you know guys off the bench and Lawless and Tito Landrum. It was, it was, and I heard Tommy make the statement that, that actually it was Andy Van Slyke make the statement that uh, you know that he was watching thought he was watching track meet and the baseball game broke out. You know it was, <laughs> it, was it was it was they were just amazing to watch play.
2: What is it like for both you guys? We only have a few minutes. This has flown by. I could ask you questions. I know you'd love it if I asked you questions for at least two more hours. So, John, I'll stay with you. What's it like when you guys come back to St. Louis even now? Because the era of which you played, it truly is one of the great eras ever in that organization's history. The Cardinals, Whitey Ball, Tudor, her I mean, you guys are favorites. What's it like even now to come back?
3: it's great to come back. I always, I I tell people all the time when I, you know, people that I don't get recognized quite as much as I used to, you know, probably 20 years ago, I probably don't look the same as I did 20 years ago. But, uh, but back then people would always come up to me and say, Oh, we really love those teams. We love watching you play. I can, I remember my dad taking me to a game or I, or I grew up going to Cardinals baseball and, you know, you were my favorite player or Tommy was my favorite player. It, it, it was it was fun. It's it's not the same game anymore, and it's not the same game for anybody anymore. The game has changed, but it's you know it's baseball. Baseball evolves, and hopefully, it continues to evolve in the right direction.
2: You know, Tommy, you were back in St. Louis, I think it was last year, and he came up in the booth and, and visited with us. And you wouldn't believe uh, people were just every time you guys come up, they're like, "This is the greatest. We got Tudor here. We got Tommy Her here." So. I know you're appreciated, so from your perspective, Tommy, what, what's it like coming back to town even after all these years?
4: Well, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I literally feel like royalty when I go back to St. Louis. I mean, that's how you're treated. I mean, just the love that you feel and, and the people reminisce about, uh, you know, they used to go to the games and, and, and I mean, they, they, they really loved that, uh, that era and those teams. And uh, to me, it's a real reflection on, on really the genius of Whitey and putting that, that product together on the field, because, you know, basically he, you know, he orchestrated the whole thing and then sat back and managed it. And um, it it was, it was just a phenomenon. And, you know, the games themselves were, they were, they were more like social events than games, you know, people would dress up and, and, and come and, and they were appreciative of the effort and they, they recognized the opponents when the opponents did something well. And it was just a, the whole atmosphere was incredible. And, uh, you know, getting back to the point, you know, you were talking about earlier about could, could uh, those teams compete today? I really feel like, uh, you know, the things that we did well, like especially the 85 year, I mean, that, that team, in my opinion, could play in any era because, uh, you know, As much as the game has changed, the last two World Series winners have been the teams that strike out the least. You know, so that was a team that could put the ball in play. And and once we got runners on base, we knew how to get them around. And, uh, And we had very good, you know, very good pitching. So, I mean, to me, that team could compete in any era. The reason we didn't hit a lot of home runs is because our ballpark was so big and most of the other ballparks in the National League were big. You know, now the ballparks are smaller, so we—if we played today, we'd hit more home runs. You know, I—you I, know—the year that I hit eight, you know, playing in today's parks, you know, that might turn into 15 or 16 instead of eight. So, you know, there—there there was a lot of—you uh, know—a lot of—a lot of qualities that team had that translates to any generation, I think.
2: I'll go back to you, John, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. Uh, with you, and then go back to Tommy. And I, I should tell you guys, we're just so many messages saying thank you for what you've done for the Cardinals. We're excited to see you go in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. So, believe me, you're beloved back here in town. Um, <laughs> so, John, I'll, I'll finish it up with you, um, and then go to Tommy. What are you most proud of as you reflect back on your career now, and it culminates going into the Cardinals Hall of Fame? What What are you most proud of?
3: Oh gosh, you know, I mean. Um... I don't know. I mean, I, I like I said, I was I was a guy that, that just uh, tried to tried to go out there and give my best effort all the time. I mean, if if, if anybody w- wanted was to say what I did well, it was that you know I, I played the game the right way. I think. I mean, it, you know, I ran I ran balls out hard when I was eight. When I was I don't want to use I use the term very loosely, a hitter, but <laughs> I, I played. You know, I tried to play the game the right way. Play the game hard. And, and give my best effort all the time. And, you know, and I, and I took the ball when it was handed to me. And, and, uh, and, and there were some days where, you know, it might not have felt great to do that, but uh, it, that, that those are the things that uh, you do as a teammate uh, uh, for guys that you really, that you love and that you enjoy playing with. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I just, just, I just want to say just quickly, I really appreciate the fact that uh, Cardinal people and the Cardinal fans voted myself and Tommy, into the Hall of Fame because it, 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 uh, it, it feels good that, that that's the way this took place. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for all the days I spent in, in a Cardinal
4: uniform.
2: And I'll wrap it up with you, Tommy. Well put, uh, John, and we appreciate you. How about for you, Tommy? What are you, what are you most proud of as you reflect now?
4: Well, you know, it, to me, it just comes back to winning. You know, I, I was all about winning. And uh, one of the – I was fortunate – coming up through the Cardinal system, you know, I I played on a championship team every year, rookie ball, A ball, double A and triple A. So when I got to the big leagues, I was, you know, winning was part of my psyche. And to be able to go through that run we had in the 80s and continue to win, that's what I'm most proud of, you know, that I could contribute to a, a winning atmosphere. And that's the way I tried to play, you know, I, you know, if I had to hit a Ground ball to the second baseman to move the guy to third. I'd I'd try to do it. You know, that's that was just the way I learned how to play. And um, so I, I think I look back on it and and feel proud of that. You know, that I that I was able to contribute to uh, maybe one of the greatest eras of of Cardinal baseball ever. You know, that's that's always up to, for debate. But uh, you know, you ask those fans that were there in the '80s, and they'll vouch for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, they would, believe me. Hey, guys, thank you so much for doing this. I know our fans loved it. We can't wait to see at the ballpark and officially get that red jacket on there and, and, and enjoy it and, and celebrate your careers. But uh, our fans, man, they love you guys, I'm telling you. And it's awesome to see you go into Cardinals Hall of Fame, and it's so well-deserved. So, John, Tommy, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Dan. You guys it's got it. Great seeing
4: you. Yep, you too, buddy. Take care.
1: What an incredibly special era in Cardinals baseball. For those who saw it, they remember it fondly. For those of us who didn't get to see it, we only wish that we could have seen Whitey Ball unfold in all of its glory. Playing fast and quick on that turf at the old Bush Stadium, too. Special thanks to Tom Herr and John Tudor for joining Dan McLaughlin. Danny Mack does such a great job with those town halls. Again, I think I mentioned it at the top, but if you'd like to check out previous ones, he's had all manner of former player and current player as part of those town halls. You can check them out at cardinals.com slash hall. Our podcast is available anywhere that you get your podcast, including cardinals.com slash podcast. We would encourage encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review the program if you enjoy it. For Dan McLaughlin, John Tudor, and Tom Herr, my name is Brett McMillan. We'll talk to you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Okay, picture this.
0: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.